Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, howdy. Welcome. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the college pastor here at Grace Bible Church Southwood. How are y'all doing? Oh, man, we guys, you guys got one week, and then you have spring break. You ready for that? You going to Cabo? Anyone? Going to the beach somewhere? Going skiing? Anyone skiing? Okay, you've got plans. We'll see how they go. Uh, we're going to talk about plans today, and um, I'm going to read a little bit of a text for us. Uh, there's, there's two major sections I want you to go to, so if you have a Bible um, or an app on your phone, it'll be easier to find it that way. Second Samuel 7. And First Chronicles 17, they're kind of parallel passages, Second uh, Samuel 7 and First Chronicles 17. I'm going to read you a little bit from Second Samuel 7, and it says this, Second Samuel 7, starting in verse 1. Now when the king, that's David, lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all, of his, sur- all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in, a, dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? We pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we're looking at plans this morning. We're looking at plans that David had. And, and the truth is this, we all have plans. We all have a, a goal. We all have dreams. We have aspirations. We have a picture of where we want our life to go. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word this morning, we might see how you direct plans, how you are sovereign over plans. And ultimately, Lord, that we would give our plans to you. And Lord, that is not an easy thing to do. We're going to need your grace and we're going to need clarity, um, and we're going to need peace to do that. So I pray that as we talk this morning about plans, we talk about our plans at Southwood College, as we talk about plans that we have for our lives, that you would give us um, your perspective on our plans. So in your name we pray. Amen. Well, to jump off this morning, I'm jumping off a little bit differently, and I'm laying out for you guys a plan. And much like David, I think it's a good plan, um, and I think it's from God. But Like David's plans, um, we can't do it alone. On your table, you should have a stack of cards that look like this. They look pretty sweet. They look pretty cute. Um, Our graphic design team uh, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, And this is a new opportunity that we have with Grace College. How many of you parked in the parking lot right here, right in front of Southwood? Who who parked like right there, right in this parking lot? There's like two of y'all. That's awesome. The rest of you... Uh, you parked uh, over at the Consol parking lot or over at some random street somewhere or someone's house that you're like, no, they won't mind if you parked right there. Who parked somewhere other than that parking lot right there? Yeah, that's the rest of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most of you parked right over at a gigantic school across the way called A&M Consolidated High School. Um, about a year ago, we started praying about how to reach more college students with the gospel. We also started praying about how to be better community partners with the place that's right across the street. 
And about a year ago, we started opening up Southwood facility to A&M Consolidated High School. So we, we opened up our facilities for them to do some AP testing, for them to uh, uh, come and just have spaces to meet. There's some awards banquets that we hosted here at Southwood College that was really just a, a blessing, a gift to them, to that school, just to open up um, our places. We also uh, we have some people on our staff that made some sweet little cookies, so we gave them treats like to the admins uh, there just to sweeten them up a little bit. Um, and we just started praying about, okay, God, how would you want us to partner with this school? And Lord, how would you want to open up more opportunities for us to reach more college students with the gospel? You want to do that? You want to see more college students be reached with the gospel? Now, now's your time to pull it out, people. Like, hey, whatever it is. Like, if you want to see more college students reach for the gospel, is that something you could be excited about? I think it's a good idea. And in, in, in doing that, decisions at Grace are made this way. We, we, we come up with ideas, and then we have a, a team, different teams of people that help make that decision. Um, I, I don't move on my own. I move as part of a team. And one of those amazing teams that we have uh, is our elder board. It's made up of qualified men that pray deeply and think deeply about the decisions we make at Grace Bible Church. And uh, one of those elders actually is a table host. It's our very own Steve Moffat right here. Give him a hand, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, it is, it is not an easy job. Um, he gets some of, the, some of the most challenging things that come to our church, um, and he also has to pray and seek the Lord to make good decisions for us. And, and he's part of a team of elders that lead our church. Um, and this is a big transition, it's a big change. And so I thought it'd be only right and honoring for one of those people to speak um, on behalf of, of the college minister here. So would you welcome Steve Moffat? Thank you. I'm not sure what to say after that introduction. I appreciate that. Um, listen, Sarah and I, my wife and I, Sarah, have been leading at a table for four years now, almost the end of four years coming up here. We've had a great opportunity to see a full a, fr- a group of freshmen go all the way through, and now they're about to launch into the world. And I, I would tell you from not only an elder's perspective, but just in my own personal perspective, we, we love college students. We love college ministry. We love what God's doing in your lives and how he's using you. From our church perspective, so I came onto the elder board in 2015. That year, we were celebrating our 50th anniversary, 50 years that God had been using Grace Bible Church to impact the lives of college students impact the world around us. And so it was a great year just to reflect on how God had, had grown. We had started in a home 50 years ago with a few people, most of whom are with the Lord now. Um, one or two might still be around. Um, and had grown. We, are, we, we moved to the, the campus, the Anderson campus, but what is now the college uh, building, what used to be our church building there, and then we built that building across the street. And then in 2008, opened the Southwood campus here. And what I will tell you from an elder's perspective and from our church's perspective, is that through that entire 50 years and continuing even now, we have four pillars that um, we hold to, two that are foundational and two that are missional. The two that are foundational is the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We're about that gospel, that saving grace of Jesus Christ, and letting the nations know about it. We're also about grace, about unending grace of God that, that calls us, that reaches us uh, right where we're at. The missional objectives that we have are uh, missionaries, number one. I don't know if you know this, but 20%, more than 20% of our budget every year goes to missions. Um, so we're a $5.5 million budget, 
you do the math on that. That's over a million dollars a year that goes straight to missions. But the fourth pillar, and really the one that, I mean, I'm excited about missions, but the one that I'm most excited about is our mission to college students. We believe that we can reach the campus of Texas A&M and Blinn, and Blinn College and touch the lives of every college student there. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. I heard a number the other day that I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't know before, but there's between A&M and Blinn, there are 70,000 students here in town, here in this, in this area. It's a lot of people. And we look at that and say, God can use us to impact however many students come here to Southwood, come to Anderson, come to Creekside to reach the world for Christ. You guys are here for four years, and then you're gone. And you're not just gone next door. You're gone to the uttermost parts of the earth, as the Scripture says. So we're excited about the opportunity that we have to do that. We're filling up here at Southwood. The reality is you parked a long ways away, as Kevin said. You walked, uh, and we have a great opportunity that God's opened the door for us right across the street to, to partner with A&M Consolidated High School to create opportunities for more college students to come in and more people to, uh, more lives to be impacted in that way. So we're excited about that. We have, Kevin's going to share with you more details about uh, a vision Sunday that we have coming up in April for that. But I would just ask you, as I wrap up, just to be praying about that transition, just to ask the Lord that he would use that, not just so we can have more space, um, not just so we can impact the lives, of more, not just so we can have more students here, but that we can really impact the lives of those students, and launch more people into, uh, into the world to reach the world for Christ. And, and I pray that you would, that y'all would join us in prayer for that. So thanks, Awesome. Kevin. Thanks, awesome. Thank you, Steve. It is a big plan, and I'm going to give you a couple details to look at, and then we're going to continue with our sermon and give you a big application point at the tail end of it. If you have those cards in front of you, um, here's... This is an invitation. Um, it is not a flyer. It is, it is literally an invitation. We are inviting you to come with us. And uh, if you flip to the back of it, the, the date is going to be uh, April 15th. Uh, that's family weekend. And you may be thinking to yourself, Kevin, can my parents come to such an event? Yes. Yes, that's, we would love your parents to come be a part of that. It's April 15th, family weekend. It's during our 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Kevin, are we going to do something different? No, we are going to do worship and a message. Now, the, the location will change a little bit, so let me explain that real quick for you. Um, this is the auditorium across the way. There actually has, there's a play going on. We don't have that little um, cute thing. Um, but uh, it's, it's a 500-seat auditorium. Um, it's, it's really nice. Uh, it is rows, so that's different. But what they have right off of the auditorium is a gigantic cafeteria that 600 people could sit easily. What does that mean, Kevin? I will be able to hear conversations as we spread out into that cafeteria. There'll be plenty of room for us to, to talk, have a great conversation, great worship and a message, and transition out to our tables. Um, and the reason we're doing a Vision Sunday on this is because we need to learn what it looks like. <laughs> we need to figure out how to do this well, and, and we, we need you to help out um, in the process, uh, both to be continued to be poured in to grow in the gospel, but also to reach out. We got a great opportunity to reach more college students with the gospel. So I want to point a couple things on the back of this. There's words, little teeny words that say parking on it. If you see the, the word parking uh, right by the two, that's where probably a lot of you parked. It's the parking lot that's straight out this way, right across at Consol. But if you look on the other side of the school where it says parking, 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 uh, those are tennis courts parking. That's parking right in front of the number one. Um, that entrance is right by the auditorium. That is easy. And also the parking that's right beside that 
It opens up a ton of spots uh, closer to walk. And I would encourage you guys to park over on that side and walk right to that number one, that entrance. And that will be the easiest way to get in. I'm going to reference this again at the end of our message. But I just want you to be thinking about it. It's going to be April 15th. Technically, that's three of our Sundays that we're actually meeting away. Okay, so hold that now, and I'll get back to that here in a second. So we're going to get back to our text, enough extended announcements, and I'll tell you a little more about that. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking about plans this morning, and you all have plans. Whether you realize it or not, whether you've done it or not, we've all had plans. Uh, Over in December, my wife and I took our family to Disney World uh, for a Disney vacation, and my wife is an amazing planner. Literally, she had these uh, laminated cards with meal plans, all the things that we were going to do during the day, and they were attached to the three strollers that we had to ship all of our kids around the parking lot. Maybe it was just two. Two strollers to ship the kids around uh, the park. I got four kids, and so we needed two double strollers. Anyways, it was insane. And the planning that went into it by my wife was absolutely incredible. She had a binder that we, she would bring us through. And so as we would walk through the airport, we would say, okay, what, what time is our flight? And she goes, well, that's on page 45. And we'd flip over. <laughs> And what we're going to do, like, I want a snack. Do we have snack plans? She's like, oh, yeah, that's on page 68. Let's flip over to there and, and know the snacks that we're going to eat. Everything was so planned out. It was absolutely amazing. I am not a planner. But I'll tell you what, even if you say to yourself, I'm not a planner, you all have dreams. You all have aspirations. When, when we were over in Disney, one of the characters that we saw that my kids absolutely love is Rapunzel. And uh, my son, uh, my four-year-old son, it, it pains me to say this, he wants to be Rapunzel. Um, and so yeah, he, he'll find uh, yellow strings and just like put it onto his head and like tie this to my head and, and I will uh, dance around. So we'll work through that later. But he absolutely loved it. And there's, a, there's an amazing moment in the movie Rapunzel. It's about, um, it's called Tangled, but it's a girl who's looking to escape, looking to live her life. And, and she get, meets Flynn Rider and they jump out of the tower and they go around and, and they come to a tavern. And it's, it's kind of a scary tavern. There's a lot of like unsafe people there. And as they walk into that tavern, she asks this question. Can I go see the lights? I just want to see my dream. And at that moment, one of those hard men that looks like a Viking says, I had a dream once, right? And they launch into this song, right, about their dreams. And one of them had like little unicorns they ding together. And so they all had these different dreams that they wanted to see realized. And they look over at Flynn Rider, like a tough, macho dude. And they're like, they're like, what's your dream? And he's like, I don't sing. And they all pull knives at him like, tell us your dream, you know? And he's like, he's like, fine. He's like, I've got dreams like, you know, really, just much less touchy-feely that mainly happen somewhere warm and sunny on an island that I own, tanned and rested and alone, surrounded by enormous piles of money, right? And so, and then they go on and they each sing like their part. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> One day you'll have children and you too will be able to recite the lyrics. And every one of us has dreams, and they look at this guy's dream. What's so funny, at the end of this little moment, after he recites his dream, they're about to run off because bad guys are coming. And as they're running away, the, one of the guys says to Rapunzel, hey, you chase your dream. But Flynn thinks he's talking to him, and he goes, I will. And he goes, no, y- your dream's stupid. <laughs> like, the piles of money, that future, like, that's just dumb. But in that moment... You have to look at these people and say, look, they've all have plans. They all have dreams. 
They all have hopes of where they want their life to go. And whether they're good plans or bad plans, every one of us has plans about where we want our life to go. And David, in this section of 2 Samuel and in 1 Chronicles, has a plan. And it's a good plan. And to set the context of it, I would simply say this. There's a moment when God says no, but it's, it's to a good plan. And we all make plans. David has this plan in 1 Samuel chapter, 2 Samuel chapter one, 7, verse 1. He says, he lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his surrounding enemies. And so the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart. What we see first is this, that David has peace all around him. It is a great season in the life of David. It's a season where there's all of his enemies have been slowed down. He's able to build his own house. Sorry, back up a little bit. He's, he's able to build his own house of cedar. And at this point, he's saying, I, I, I'm looking over and I see the ark of God. Now, what is the ark of God? Well, it was the ark that contained the Ten Commandments. Moses went up to Mount Sinai, hung out with God for an extended period of time, and God literally carved it with his finger the Ten Commandments that, that Moses brought down. Now, he threw them down because he was upset, but then he had to write them out himself. So those Ten Commandments are literally in this ark. And as the nation would go out to war, there would be the Levites that would carry the ark in front of the people as they would go into battle. Why? To show that worship is the center and the starting point for everything that we do. The honoring of God goes before us. The presence of God goes before us. The ark represented the law of God and the presence of God going before the people. But there's peace. The wars had stopped. The fighting had stopped. And and David had built himself a sweet crib, you know? Like if it was on, on a TV show, you see pools, mansions. Like it's really, really nice. And he goes, man, I'm set up. But the ark of God, the worship of God, the center of our lives just has a tent. He's like, I want to build something for it. It was a great time. And he goes to his buddy, Nathan. And Nathan says, hey, go. Do all that's in your heart, man. That sounds like a great plan. Go and do whatever you want. And you may be saying to yourself, Kevin, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have plans. I don't have real goals that I'm going to, I'm going to get, like, I just don't know. I'm just kind of floating through college. Well, I'll tell you this. Play a game called Twice Your Age. If you're 20, pretend you're 40. What do you got? Where are you living? You're like, oh, I'm in Dallas. All right, you married? Oh, yeah. Beautiful wife. You have kids? Oh, yeah, I've got three. Uh, One's named Bo, one named June, one named Fred. And they play sports, and they dance on the weekends, and we have a minivan, and we have, like, if I was to ask you about your future, you would have these detailed instructions about how you want your plan to play out. But I'll tell you this, every one of our plans, even though they may be great, there's a moment that God will step in. Proverbs 19, 21 says this, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Well, you have lots of plans, but God's purpose is the one that's going to stand. Proverbs 16, 9 says it this way, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. See, in your heart, you are planning where you want your life to go, how you want things to play out. out. But I'll tell you what, you don't get to pick the steps for that plan to play out. God alone picks the steps of the plan. 
So point one is simply this. We all have plans, but the second point is a little more poignant, and it's this. God changes our plans. God changes your plans. In 1 Chronicles 17, it says it this way. 1 Chronicles 17, verse 3. It says, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. He said, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it is not you who will build a house for me. It's not you who's going to build my house to dwell in. David, it's a great plan. You're just not going to be the person to carry it out. God says no. And I'll tell you what, you may have great plans, but there will come a moment in life when God says no. When I was in college, uh, I ran track in college, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the training. I loved the racing. I loved everything about it. And each summer, I would go to uh, Colorado, and I would train. Um, I would paint houses in the morning, like all to early afternoon, and then I would run uh, anywhere between uh, 10 to 15 miles a day. I was running about 85 to 95 miles a week all summer and just training extremely hard, dedicating like my entire summer to getting better each year. And right between my sophomore and junior year of college, I came back so fit, ready to just run my junior year, so excited. The first meet of the year in cross country, I got a calf injury that took me out for the next month. Trained so hard, so much time, boom. So I'm I'm sleeping in a boot at night, getting massage, PT. Finally, at the end of four weeks, it gets better. I get healthy just in time to run conference and and nationals and that sort of stuff, and that was good. And then about a month later, I get an injury in my, my foot called plantar fasciitis. Some of you have, have done that. Um, it's horrible. But it only really affected me when I woke up in the morning. So I'd wake up in the morning, I would step down, and there would be this shearing pain going up through my entire body, and I'd be like, oh, I hate my foot. And then uh, I got to the point where I just couldn't run. I couldn't train anymore. And so for the next two months, I spent um, time on a stationary bike and swimming or aqua jogging in a pool. Three hours a day on a stationary bike or aqua jogging in a pool. There are punishments worse than death, and they include stationary bikes. Okay, like just, just no. And it, it was so bad, I would put towels around the stationary bike because I would just be dripping oods of sweat everywhere, just pedaling pedaling, listening to, at the time, it's back in the day, CDs, right? So I'm there with my CD player, flipping out, sweating over everything. And it got, it got bad. I mean, at one point, I, I, I remember walking out of there, I'm just dripping in sweat all off my body, toweling off, and I'm like, God, I just want to run circles, right? Like at the end of the day, all I want to do is run circles on a track. Like I don't want to hurt anyone. Like I'm not looking to, to do, no one even cares about the sport. Like I just, I'm just kidding. People care, but not many. And, and I'm just, I just want to run circles. I just want to do my thing. I just want to compete at this level. Like, does it really matter God? And I remember just getting at such a low point when I'd be like, God, this is my plan. Why won't you give it to me? Have you been there? God, what I want is a good thing. It's not evil. It's not wrong. David's plan isn't a bad thing. But God says no. And I'll tell you this. God will say no to you. And there's something you have to grab in this moment. There's a perspective that God wants to give him. There's a reason God says no. 
And the, he lays it out in the rest of First Chronicles. The first reason is this. That God's leading, not you, not me. Verse 5 of First Chronicles 17 says this. For I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day. But I have gone from tent to tent, from dwelling to dwelling. That's God talking through Nathan. In all the places where I moved, with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? He's saying, take a moment, David. Just, I want you to look at history. I've been going from tent to tent, from dwelling to dwelling, and I haven't asked anyone to build me a house. I'm okay. Verse 7, now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off your enemies from before you, and I will make you a name, like the name of the great ones on the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. He says, David, do you understand? I'm in control of the past, the present, and the future. The theological word is sovereign. I'm in control. I have the power and ability to lead all of life. And the first thing I want you to grasp when I say no is this, that I'm leading this thing, not you. I'm in control of the destiny. I'm in control of the future. And look, I've been working this plan a lot longer than you've been alive. I've been moving this thing through history much longer than you've seen. I'm in control of everything, David. I want you to grab that perspective. But secondly, we may be the wrong person. We may be the wrong person to carry out this part of God's plan. Later on in 1 Chronicles 22, David's telling his son Solomon about this plan. And David says this to his son. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, You've shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you've shed so much blood before me on the earth. See, there was a moment in, in David's life when he was supposed to fight the wars of God, but he took it too far. And he had a bunch of people lined up and slain, and God says, you have followed me, but for this next place, the worship of God will not be built on the bloodshed of men. There's someone else that's going to build me a temple. It's not going to be you. And that's hard to hear. Because if you've got a great plan, if you've got a great purpose, you also want to be the person to carry it out. I mean, am I right? Like if you've got a great idea, you want to see it come to fruition. For some of you, it's running for that position in your organization. You're like, okay, if I got into the driver's seat in that role, you know what I could do? I mean, people would come from, from miles around saying, how is it that you are running bucks so well? Or whatever you're, you're running. You say, if I got into the role, I really could do great things. And I would, I would want to honor God with, with my steps that I'm doing. Or it's the job interview. Seniors interviewing for jobs? Anyone? No. All right. You're praying for a job interview. You're like, for the love of God. Juniors, internships this summer? Oh, you're like, oh, please, God. And you're like, okay, if, if this company would just say yes, 
if this opportunity would just be open, I would work so hard. I'd be such a great worker. God, will you just let me take this step? Or you're like, God, I'm here to just help find the one. And if they're not an Aggie, I mean, the other people out there, have you seen them, God? Like, they don't know our traditions. They don't like to wear maroon. Like, they don't even know what we're doing. Like, I can't go off into that world alone. Like, I need someone to go with me. We'll go two by two through the world. It'll be so good. And you're like, God, I just want to find the right one. And you're like, okay, I'm going through my classes. I'm trying to find the right one. You're like, maybe it's them. Mm-mm. Maybe it's that. Uh-uh. Well, God, if I... Mm-mm-mm. I go, why are you constantly saying no to me? It's because God's saying, like, it's a great plan. Getting a job is a good plan. Leading an organization, that's a great plan. Getting married, that's a great plan. But you may not be the right one. That may not be the right one for you, and you may not be the right one for them right now. Sometimes God just says no, but there's a third perspective we've got to grab, and it's this. That whatever plan you have, our plan's too small. Whatever plan we have, it's too small. First Chronicles 7 verse 10 says it this way. Moreover, I declare to you, that the Lord will build you a house. David, this isn't about you building me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Verse 11. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. One of your sons, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me. And I will establish his throne forever. I will be a father and he shall be to me a son. I will, take, I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it away Um, From him who was before you, that's Saul. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. See, David, you have a plan that's limited. You have a plan that is focused on what you can control in your lifetime, right? David, you have a plan about building me a house that will be good, and maybe it will last a little bit longer, but, but you have a plan that, that's focused on what you can contribute, what you can control in the life that you live. But, but David, I'm thinking about generations. I'm, you're talking about building a house. I'm talking about building a kingdom. You're talking about having a place for worship. I'm talking about something that's everlasting. I want to establish something better than you could ever imagine. I want you not to just have a great career. I want you to be part of building God's kingdom. I want you not to just have a great spouse. I want you to build a kingdom people with that spouse. I want you not to be looking at your lifetime about what you can contribute in your four years in college. I want you to be thinking about the generations of impact you can have. Whatever your plan is, it's too small. You know why? Because we don't have God's perspective. We can't see high enough and we can't see far enough, but God can. And so God's going to say no to you because what God has is something better that you can't see because you're not there. That's why you need him. Years ago, there was a song um, that came out by Garth Brooks. And uh, when I was in junior high, uh, we would have these dances. Um, There were parties. They would be held at the Municipal Utility District Building, the MUD Building, right, for short. And they'd be dance parties. So we would go, and we would go, and, uh, and we'd have awkward junior high dance time. It was so good. There was always a DJ, and he would be playing some fast music, and then he would play some slow country music, right? And there would be that moment where you would go, who am I going to ask today? You'd see someone's cute along the way. You'd seen them all week, and you're like, come Friday at the birthday party. I'm going to get the dance. 
right? And so I remember, and there was one song that was constantly being, being played, and it was called Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks, which was ironic because if the girl was going to say yes, that would be an answer to prayer, right? And I remember the song comes on, I go to the girl, I'm like, let's do this, and then I just, awkward, junior high dance, you know? And I was thinking about that song recently, and I'm like, I'm like I, and I read the lyrics again, and Garth says it this way. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me, and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one I wanted for all times. And each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me the wish I'd wish back then, I'd never ask for anything again. And in the chorus... Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. That's God. That just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. It's country. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And as the song goes on, he says this. And as she walked away, I looked at my wife. And then and there I thanked him for the good, the good Lord for the gifts of my life. He says again, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. See, God's no isn't because he doesn't love you. Jeremiah says it this way, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you a future and a hope for for welfare and not calamity. I know what I want to do in your life. And I've got a perspective that you don't. And I've got a future that's not about your lifetime, but about generations. So the reason I want you to marry this person is because there's something I want you to do with them. The reason this is the career move is because I got something I want you to do there. Don't think so small. Lift your eyes up and embrace what I'm leading you. And that's what David does. He aligns his life behind God's plan. First Chronicles 17, verse 16, it says this. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? When God says no, when God changes your plans, what he, we need to do is align myself, line ourselves with God's plans. And the first step within that is this, to sit with God. To grab some time with just you and God and say, Lord, Clearly, I'm not seeing this correctly. I wanted this. You said no. So I need to just sit with you and say, Lord, what are you bringing? What are you creating? What are you doing? And then secondly, it's to embrace God's plan. See, the next thing David does is he says, I, I'm seeing something that you're doing that's, that's well beyond anything I can imagine. You're talking about the future generations. I was thinking about my generation. You're talking about eternity. So I'm going to embrace God's plan. Henry Blackaby says it this way. We don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants us to involve us, where he wants to involve us. We don't choose God's plan, but he invites us to join him in where he is going. That's exactly what David does. He sits with God. He embraces his plan. And the third step is amazing. He leverages his life for God's plan. First Chronicles 22, 
it skips ahead, and he's, he has this moment where he's speaking to his son. And he is setting up his son to carry out what he was never going to carry out. First Chronicles 22, verse 11 says this. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God, as he spoke concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord, then you will prosper and then you will be successful. Jump down to verse 15 or verse 14. With great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold. That's a lot of gold. A million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weighing. For there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided. To these you must add. You have an abundance of workmen, of stonecutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working gold, silver, bronze. And then David also commanded all the leaders, verse 17, of Israel, to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? Has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the Lord and the land by his hand. You know what? David does with the rest of his life? God says no. You know what he spends the rest of his life building? A future he would never see. Opportunities he would never realize. He says, to build this temple, you know what we're going to need? We're going to need a lot of gold because every piece is going to be outfitted in gold. We're going to need a lot of wood, so I'm going to collect all of that wood. We're going to need huge doors to open and out. I'm going to collect all of those things. It's almost like he's stockpiling a future he will never actually realize, a temple he will never see built. He leverages the rest of his days, setting up his son for a success he will never experience. Isn't that beautiful? I tell you what, your greatest contribution in your lifetime may be success you never see. Let that sink in for a second. Your greatest contribution, my greatest contribution, may be success that I never see. Billy Graham's mama. Billy Graham spoke the gospel to more people than anyone ever. Seen tons of conversions. Some of the staff at Grace Bible Church came to faith through a Billy Graham crusade back in the day. He would fill up 100,000 person stadiums. The navigators got their start as part of of helping disciple the people that were coming to faith through the Billy Graham Crusades. It was absolutely amazing. And then I look at Billy Graham's mama, who changed Billy Graham's diapers, who brought Billy Graham to church, who prayed for that little baby, who spanked him when he was bad, encouraged him to do more, and stood beside him. And I thank Billy Graham for his impact, and I thank his mom that she would never know the impact she would make. For me, God's given me four kids. And I don't know the impact that I'm going to make in my lifetime. And I don't know the impact God wants to make in their lifetime or a lifetime after that. It's funny, Hillary's grandmother, I'm going to tear up saying this. When I told her I was going to go into pastoral ministry, Hillary and I dated for forever. Uh, She was a freshman in high school. I was a sophomore in high school when we started dating. And I, I told her I was going to go into pastoral ministry, and she said, we've been praying that there would be a pastor in our family. Before I was ever even born, you don't know the impact that you're going to have. But you know what you do have? you got your life. 
You've got your life that you can align with God's plans. And that plan is bigger and will go further than you can ever imagine. And I'll tell you what, this is our little plan. And I've got hopes for what it might happen. I've got hopes for the impact that we, can't, we can make. But let me tell you about this little plan. I can't do it without you. I can't. I'm not smart enough. I'm not attractive enough. But I know people like me a little bit. Eh? I, I can't do it without you. And here's what I really can't do without you. I don't know the kids, the students in your classes. I don't. I don't know the students in your apartment complexes. I don't know the students in your organizations. I don't know the students across all of campus. There's 70,000 students. I do not have that sort of relational capacity. I don't. But with all of us, you do. With all of us, we do. And here's what I know. I know the gospel needs to go further. Why? Because we're still here. If you're not dead, you're not done, right? Once you die, you're done. And you can't share the gospel anymore. But if you're not dead, you're not done. That means God has an opportunity for you. And this is a step to say, Lord, I want to invite not only myself, but there's extras of these on your table. My encouragement to you, my ask of you, is that you would take two to three extra and you would go invite two to three friends that actually you can follow up with, that actually you can build relationships with, that you can share the gospel with. And my hope is that we don't move over there and fill it up with people that are already really connected to another church. That's not my goal. My goal is to connect it with people that, that are loosely or not at all plugged into a church. People that need the gospel of Christ. And so I'm, I'm asking you between now and April 15th to take two to three of these. And for this time over spring break, just pray. Lord, would you put two to three people on my heart that you want me to invite to this? And then when they come, they'll experience a really unique, fun event that we have over there for that Vision Sunday. And that you would be the follow-up. That hopefully you would bring them to Christ. Hopefully you would see the impact on their life. That would be your legacy of faith that you bring. And this would just be a step along that way. We're going to have some opportunity to talk in our tables for a moment. But is that ask clear? Does that sound exciting to you? I hope you will join us. We'll talk about it a couple more times as the, um, as the event comes closer. There's a couple things that we'll also need. Um, we need volunteers to help out. And if God's stirring in your heart to want to help pro- provide an environment for those people to connect, there's an opportunity at the back of our um, auditorium to, uh, to sign up, and we'll contact you to help out pulling off the event. But the key thing at this point is this, to pray. Lord, sit before God and say, how would you have me play a part in bringing the gospel forward to build the kingdom that you're building? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I know all of us have plans. We all have a a place, a desire for where we see our life going. And Lord, I know many of us, even this semester, have experienced the no. Lord, I pray for those of us that that are still feeling the pain of that no, that you would help us to to grab the perspective that you have, that you are leading something much bigger. You're in control of something much larger that we can see. 
And Lord, I pray for us as we think about how we can make an impact on your kingdom. Maybe it's through this endeavor, but maybe it's through another way. Lord, I pray that you would make that clear to us, how you want us to make an impact for leveraging our life behind what you are building. And it may be a future that we don't even see, but God, the eternal impacts are amazing. So Lord, I lift up these students to you. I lift up these table hosts to you that you would make it clear how we can be a part of what you're building in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys turn your tables. Have some great discussion.